Welcome, listeners, to another Transformation Church Sermon Podcast. Let's prepare our hearts to receive the Word of God. Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. Y'all doing good? Come on, He is able. Y'all believe that? He's able. He's able to break chains and make ways today. I believe that God is going to do something in your life today and that you're going to leave here a little bit different than you came in. I believe you're going to walk out of here a little bit different. Come on, we don't come to church for a philosophy. We come for a person. And I believe that person is here and anything can happen. Come on, he is more than able to do what you need in your life today. And I'm so excited. We had one person give their life to Christ in our first service. Come on, one of your family members joined heaven. And service number one had one person water baptized and several baptized this service. And then I think there's some next service. And, and then last week, nine people gave their, their life to Christ at church. Come on, that is, all, that is awesome. Do you, do you remember what it was like when you were away from God? Come on, when you didn't have Jesus in your life? It's so good to see people coming to Jesus. And I remember driving to church this morning. My, some, some neighbors in our neighborhood were just going about their day, just not, 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 not really thinking about church or God. I know them. And you know, I was like, I need to invite them to church again. And I just remembered in my mind when I saw them, like, like how thankful I was that I have an appetite for the things of God that I have an appetite for the house of God. I remember the days when I didn't have an appetite for this or didn't have an appetite for God. I'm just so thankful. We're in a series uh, called Boot Camp, and um, I, uh, I'm going to get into Ephesians again today. I'm going to give you a little recap of what we looked at last week. Uh, we looked at being uh, risen in Christ. Boot Camp is going to be a series, and it is a series. I want to just give you a little bit of warning. Anybody ever been to Boot Camp? Well, who's been to boot camp before? Boot camp ain't comfortable. Come on. I, I, so, so the next today, you, I'm probably going to make you a little uncomfortable today. And uh, it's just a little boot camp. It's not boot camp doesn't last forever. But one of, one of the jobs of boot camp is to uh, take the civilian out of you and to put the soldier into you. And uh, I think sometimes we need to have some of the civilian uh, taken out of us as the army of God. We're the army of the Lord. We are God's uh, warriors. The Bible talks all about just this battle that we're in. And um, all you got to do is walk out the uh, of these doors and you'll realize the battle that you're in and the battle that we're in um, for our belief system. And so Paul, uh, the crown jewel of his writing, many believe was Ephesians. Uh, the first three books deal with your position. Um, and then the second three books deal with your practice. So uh, last week we looked at your position in Christ. You have to understand your position before you can actually practice or walk out Christianity. And if you don't, you'll be very burdensome with religion and rules. Uh, but if you understand who you are and the power that you have and how you've been risen from the dead, how God's given you life, how you're seated by Christ, then you'll know that you have the power and the belief system to change your behavior in certain ways. And so I always want to deal with belief system before I deal with behavior, because um, if I deal with behavior without belief systems, you can never change. And so the belief system of Paul uh, in chapter one and two is beautiful. Um, I, I think that uh, the Bible says very clearly that we are alive in Christ. Um, you and I, uh, all of humanity was dead in trespass. I'm going to give you a lot of teaching today. Um, the, the world, uh, humanity was dead in trespass, dead in sin. There's only two categories of people. There's not multiple races. There's not multiple uh, nationalities, multiple. I mean, yeah, there's multiple nationalities, but there's not. There's one human race. It's the, the God's children. It's one, one race of people. And there's only two categories of people in, the, in, in these people. Two categories, dead in sin or alive in Christ. That's it. 
If we need to check a box on a resume, it's dead in sin or alive in Christ. That, that's the reality. There's no, there's no other category. And uh, I'm going to get into a little bit of that understanding today. Uh, but Paul says that you were dead in sin. Um, I don't know if you remember what that was like, but you were dead in sin. You couldn't raise yourself. You couldn't breathe into yourself. You couldn't give yourself life. You couldn't make yourself one God. You couldn't be hungry for God. The Holy Spirit tracked you down, began to speak to you, began to talk to the faith that God deposited in you at birth because every man is has been given a measure of faith to believe on God. Everybody has it. The Holy Spirit began to speak to that and you believed by faith. You received grace and you came alive to God. You were a foreigner and alienated from the covenants of Israel. You had no rights to the promises of God and God brought you close. God brought you near through the death of Jesus. You were dead. Now you're alive. Come on. Tell somebody I'm alive. Take a breath. I'm alive. Come on. It's good to be alive. That means that we shouldn't have to drag you to put your hands in the air and worship Jesus. That means we shouldn't have to beg you to give to the things of God. That means we shouldn't have to cheerlead you on to quit being crazy. You're alive in God. Remember what you ever had a kid play dead? You have to drag them around the ground. It's funny for a second till they won't get up. You're dragging them around. God doesn't like having to drag you around as you're playing dead with the things of God. And so we're alive in God. Here's some things from last week. Being alive, God's brought us close. Uh, You have a new power in your life. If you've been raised and you're alive together with Christ, you have a new power. That that, uh, co-joined twins share the same heart. If you're co-joined with Christ, you share his heart. Power starts in the heart. That you have the power to become what God wants you to be. Philippians 2.13. If you're taking notes, these aren't on the screen. But Philippians 2.13 says, it is God who gives you the power and the desire to do what pleases him. Well, God, I just don't even know how to please you. He'll give you the power. God, I don't know how to, to, to have the desire to even want to do this. He'll give you the desire. You just need to begin to ask him, God, I've been raised with you. Give me the desire and the power to do what you've called me to do. You have a new power. You've been raised with Christ. You have a new preference. You have a new preference. Like, have you ever had your taste buds change? You used to like something and then you didn't? It, it Maybe... Anybody ever uh, liked McDonald's fries until you ate Chick-fil-A fries? Come on, somebody. <laughs> Your whole life changed. Like, I'll never, I remember, I, haven't eat, I didn't eat McDonald's. My kids, some of them, not my daughter, I don't think, but my sons eat McDonald's every now and then. I quit. I remember I used to eat McDonald's twice a day. Can I just give you a newsflash? McDonald's is unhealthy. <laughs> it's, they've proven that. <laughs> Um, cigarettes are bad for you. If I, listen, I'm just telling you, like I, if I see you smoking, I just, I got to, this is confession moment, pastoral confession moment. If I see somebody smoking, I'm just like, really with all the information, like you just, you, I just, it's really, I know I'm kind of making fun of it, but man, you deserve to be made fun of. If you still smoking, it was like, it will kill you on the side of the car. It will kill you. Like, a lot of stuff will kill me. Yeah, but I mean, you stink too. <laughs> I mean, you have a new preference. You have a new preference. Like I have a new preference. Like I don't want to, what I used to enjoy, what used to taste good, what used to smell good, what used to look good, what used to feel good. I have a new preference. You should have a new preference. Your taste buds shouldn't be the same. Like things change. I, you begin to eat healthy. I ate healthy for 12 plus years. Went back to try McDonald's one more time because my kids taught me into it. It tastes disgusting. Once you begin to get a healthy appetite and a healthy pattern in your life, all of a sudden the old stuff, you have a different pre- preference. Um, you're seated with Christ. You have a new perspective. That You're at a 30,000 foot view. You're seated with Jesus. You know what the perspective on your life should be? You should have a perspective of peace on everything. 
I have to fight for this. We all do. Stress is inevitable. Peace is a choice. And the Bible says that we are seated with Christ. You know what happens? You ever been in an airplane, 30,000 feet, 20,000 feet? You look out, you see all the little swimming pools. You're counting everybody's pool. Counting everybody's little mansion. You're like, look at that. You can see like the acres lined out and it seems cool. It's really cool to count all that. When I see all that, what it tells me is like, man, you know what? Everything's not that big a deal. Like, wow, look how small that is. Like it puts it in perspective and there's just peace. Like he's got it. He's got it under control. Like my situation, like from this point of view, this perspective, there's, there's power in that. And like, you can look at something and go, you know what? Put it out a thousand years. Will it matter in a thousand years? And if you don't have peace, stress is inevitable. If you don't have peace, I would say it's your fault. Because here's the reality. The Bible says, don't be anxious for anything. Worry about nothing. But in all things, with prayer and supplication, make your request known to God that the peace of God might guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. So that peace is that simple. God, I need it. And so if you're walking through stress, you can begin to actually pray and have a peace perspective because you've been risen with Christ in a different perspective, a different atmosphere where you're up risen with him. And the last one, the Bible says you've been created for good works. Like you weren't just, you weren't just saved for, for just to come to church. You were created for good works that you might walk in them. The Bible says that God actually prepared good works for you. He's prepared them beforehand. God's already prepared every good work. He's called you to walk in every creative idea, every ministry, every decision, every direct he's created good works. He's created businesses and desires and cities and dreams, things for you to walk in. And the Bible says that you're just supposed to walk in them, not stress in them, not fight for them, not, not, not worry about them. Like you are called to walk in them. So I wrote, you have a new pace that you and I have a new pace in life that we can actually get up with the pace of our day to go, you know what? I'm gonna walk out God's plan today. I'm gonna walk in what he has for me today. God, I know you have some things for me. So I'm gonna jump from those things that we looked at last week into chapter four. And here's the practice of what we get as a church. Um, if we're in this thing together, uh, we begin to walk some things out. I would say that you don't have spiritual life working in, your, in you fully if you go by all of your cravings and flesh and make decisions based on that. Like, like you, if you make decisions based on what you crave and what your flesh wants, you probably need to check the spiritual life inside of you. As well, if you make all your decisions based on your soul, your mind, will, and emotions, the way you think, act, and feel, you're a three-part being. Uh, you, you, you are a spirit being. Uh, you have a soul, and you live in a body. And so the spirit being of you became alive when Christ entered. It's dead in every man and woman until Christ enters. That spirit being came alive. You have a soul. It's the way you think, act, and feel. And it's supposed to be renewed, according to the Bible, by the power of the spirit. And, you, and if you're led by how you think, act, and feel, your opinion, your thoughts, your feelings, your, what your body wants, then you probably don't have the spiritual life working as strong in you as it should. Welcome to boot camp. We'll get into chapter four. This is what the Bible says. Paul says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling which you were called. Come on, you've all been called. Not, that doesn't just mean people that are preaching. This is a calling. You have a calling. Paul's talking to Christians. I beseech you walk worthy of the calling with which you were called with all lowliness and gentleness with long suffering and bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Verse 13, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the son of God to a perfect man, saying that we'd all come to a perfect man, a mature man, that we would mature, perfect means mature, that we would come to a mature man 
to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we would actually be unified in our faith in this room where we believe through the apostolic doctrine and the, uh, the, the prophets and the apostles of the word of God, that we, would, that we would have unity around that and then we would come to, uh, to a mature man. We would mature to the measure. What measure? To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we would become the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children, Tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men. This is what's happening in the world right now. This is what's happening with our faith right now. For too long, we've tried to fit in when the Bible calls us called out. For too long, we've wanted to fit in with everybody and everything. But I think there's a day and age where we're an army of God. We can't. You're called out. You're not called to fit in. You're called to stand out. You're called to be bold. It says that we are, we are carried away with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love, we would grow up into all things into him, Jesus, who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, this, all of us, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, what each of you supplies, the joint supplies uh, movement and blood flow, what every joint supplies according to the effect of working by each part that does its share. Causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. That you and I have a share in this. There's a ministry in this. That you're not called to come listen to me. That's not your calling. That there's a, there's a ministry. There's a, there's a power. There's a function. There's people in here. There's those to be reached. There's, there's people to, to reach and love and feed and give the life of God to. We're called to each do our part and share so that we get strong and build ourselves up in love. 17. This I say, Paul says, therefore, and I testify in the Lord. This is God. That you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. In the futility of their mind. I mean, think, just think about the, what we entertain ourselves with, what we digest, what we listen to on the news, what we hear, what is being pushed into the world. I mean, we're at a place that it's hard to fathom. We're, we're in a place. It's hard, it's hard to, and we're, and we act, we don't, we just act like it's okay. It's not like, it's not okay. And if we don't speak up, who's going to, if we don't say, no, you can't do that to my kids. No, you, you can't do that to our schools. No, you can't, no, you can't push that into the, into the city councils. No, you can't. No, we're going to speak up as a church. No, we're not going to go that direction. I, I was with a couple of first service and they just began to tell me they moved from California and they were just so he got baptized last week, and he told his, he told his sister-in-law, she heard they got baptized, and she didn't mean it mean. She just says, I don't even know how to talk to you anymore. She didn't mean it mean. She just meant, like, I don't even know how to relate. Like, I don't, that's so far. And he said, but we've been here for two years. My daughter moved here at two, and she prays at the dinner table now. He goes, we just took for granted, like, like this would have never been part of our home if we hadn't have found this house and found this church and found people and gotten plugged in and taken steps and taken, got water baptized. I mean, like, like the world, it's not okay what they're doing. And, and, and we have to, listen, I'm going to back up to 17. This I say, therefore, and here's my concern. The church has gone along with it. And then in the name of love, in the name of, we don't judge in the name. No, no. We, God says we, the judgment starts in the house of God. We have to know, the Bible says in the last days that they will call profane holy and holy profane. They'll call evil good and good evil. That's, that's where we are. And we have to know the difference between the profane and the holy. God said, you have a calling in your life to know the difference between holy and profane. 
can't just keep eating the poison and think everything's okay. Boot camp. Paul says it. I didn't say it. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God. Somebody wants to come at you with some stuff. Say, that's all right. You're alienated from God. I can see why you believe that. Because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. The point of this is you need, we, people need Jesus. No one can see without him. No one, I didn't get, I didn't, I'm not bragging. I, I didn't, I was blind. I was dead. I was lost. I was, I was suicidal. I was perverted. I was, I was angry. I was hurt. I was, I needed Jesus. I didn't do this to myself. I needed God. The blindness of their heart, who's who's being past feeling. I was talking about a situation the other day. This guy was conning people like, like left and right. A, a friend of mine, and I know this person, they were telling me this story. I was like, how could they even do that without any feeling? Didn't even care. I get upset if I talk bad to my kids. I gotta say sorry. Like, Anna, I love you. I'm sorry. Talk mean. Like being past feeling. Having given themselves over to lewdness. To work all uncleanness with greediness. I mean, we act like this isn't in the Bible. Can I, can I read the Bible to y'all? Is that okay? To, to give themselves over to lewdness. To work all cleanness with greediness. That's not us. That's not the church. Paul's saying this isn't you. But you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you've heard him, if you've heard him, if you've heard him, if you've heard him and been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. Come on, anybody deal with those? <laughs> Take off your halo. Because we, we put that off. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That's where the war takes place. That's where the battle's taking place. That's where the kids are, are being indoctrinated. That's where, that's where everything's being put into the mind. If you can get your head out, you can get your life out. If you can get your head out, you can get your life out. If you can get your head out, if you can renew the mind, come on, the baby's head comes out first. If you can get the head out, you can get the life out. Get your head out. Being renewed in the spirit of your mind. The word renewed means renovated. It doesn't mean a, a paint job. It doesn't mean some nice new little knobs on the cabinets. It doesn't mean, it means a fully gutted, renovated mind where you begin to have the mind of God and the mind of Christ and you think like God and you act like God and you desire what God wants and you read the Bible and you know the truth of God's word. That we renew our mind. The problem is none of us know the word of God. And so you don't know when there's a counterfeit because you don't know the truth of it. That we renew the mind and begin to, I'll give you a resource today. It's called Theos U, T-H-E-O-U-S-U. It's a guy named Nathan Finocchio, brilliant theologian. It's got a wide spectrum of, of, of theological beliefs, but not too far out of the spectrum that I wouldn't, wouldn't represent and tell you about. If you want to be a studier of the word of God, they are brilliant. Theos U, 19 bucks a month. Begin to renew your mind. We're in a battle for the mind. 
Paul says it, that you would put off, but you can't just put off the former conduct and not do anything. Put off the deceitful lust and renew the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man, which is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. My title for today (laughs) is walk it out. Walk it out. Father, help us to walk it out. Help us to leave here different. Renew our mind. Help us get our head out. Holy Spirit, we can't do it without you, but we can't do it without the word either. Holy Spirit, you said that the word of God is a sword and that you, Holy Spirit, wield that sword. So Lord, we don't just need word. We need word and spirit. Holy Spirit, would you use the word of God as a tool in our life today to help us walk it out in Jesus name? Amen. I don't like walking. I'm not a walker. I don't like walking with my wife. She loves to go on walks. I don't like to walk. I quit walking when I got a driver's license. I decided I'm not going to walk. I'm not going to ride a bike. I'm not going to walk. I don't want to do that. But we went on vacation. I'll, I'll ride a bike with her on vacation because she loves that. It's her love language. So we ride bikes. But she has to walk around the neighborhood and walks the dog. I hate to do it, but I do it every now and then. I just don't like to walk. I don't, my daughter rides horses. Her and her friend right here, they ride horses. They're, they're brave. I don't like to ride horses. I don't want to ride a beast that can kill me. I don't want to put my fate in another beast's hands. I'll ride a motorcycle. If I fall off the motorcycle, I fall off the motorcycle. It's my fault. Not the beast's fault, right? And so... But walking, I think I hate it because I grew up and my mother used it as a punishment. She would say, you're going to go outside and you're going to walk. And I would have to walk the road. And I, would, I was a little chubby, so i fake asthma. I'm like, ah, crying, faking asthma, you know, trying to walk. I hated it. I'm scarred. Uh, my two boys, I don't think we did it to my daughter, but we took that and passed down that heritage to my sons. We made them walk the backyard, walk laps in the backyard whenever they were acting crazy, uh, walking it out. I was talking with a trainer the other day. He's a nutritionist and a trainer, and he calls the calf, he says the calf is the second heart muscle. The, the calf literally is, a, is the second heart is what a lot of nutritionists or trainers call the calf. Uh, the heart is responsible to pump blood to all the extremities of the body. The, the blood goes to the oxygen, gets oxygenated, and then that blood is pumped to the body through the heart. The, the blood goes down to the feet, and then that blood, once the body takes up the oxygen, has to get back to the heart. The, the, the calves are a mechanism to help the blood get back to the heart. If the calves aren't strong and those muscles aren't strong, the blood can clot. It can get stuck down there and all types of bad things happen. He said that they did a study to 6,000 individuals with type two diabetes and that diabetes obviously is a disease where the body is insulin resistant and it can't take the blood sugar and get it out of the blood system and into the cells. And so sugar stays in the blood in the blood and it can't get into the cells. And they said they did a study with 6,000 people. They had them walk four times a day for 30 minutes and there was a 56% reduction in type two diabetes. Four times a day for 30 minutes with a 54% reduction in type 2 diabetes. I think the church has spiritual diabetes. I think that some of you have spiritual diabetes. I think there's been times in my life when I had spiritual diabetes. What is that? It's that the blood of Jesus is pumping into the heart of his body with purity and holiness and calling and purpose and energy and a word from God and and desire and life and forgiveness and truth. And the blood of Jesus pumps to the body. But if we aren't walking it out and we don't have strong calf muscles, our body cannot uptake all that Jesus wants to do and get into the cell system of the body. And I think as we begin to walk and do, not talk it out, as we begin to walk it out, forgive me, love me, help me, serve, give, get love, go, 
worship, bless, hands in the air, witnessing about the word of God as we begin to open our homes up, joining teams, getting to, you're not dead, you're alive, being a part of this house, not sitting and listening to me, being a part, plugging in, functioning, being who you're called to be. As you do that, all of a sudden, the, the things Jesus is trying to pump into the cells of this body and the cells of your life actually get acclimated into the body of Christ. I don't want spiritual diabetes. I'm called to walk it out. You're called to walk it out. I want to walk it out. Paul says, here's a couple ways to walk it out. You are the hope of the world. You're the hope of the world. This room, a life-giving room full of the Spirit of God and the Word of God is the hope of the world. A life-giving church, this is God's plan A. No one else is coming. Jesus, come on, come. The, the Bible says the Spirit and the bride cry, come. I, I ask him to come. Somehow that asking him to come actually speeds up his return. I don't understand that. Revelation says that, that we speed his return through a desire. And the spirit and the bride are both crying, come. But he's also saying, go. <laughs> We're crying, come. And he's saying, go. And I, I just, I'm going to give you some thoughts today. Our military is an amazing military. But it's the worst non-wartime military there is. If you study the addictions and the pain and the, and the problems when the soldiers don't have a battle to fight, there's a lot of chaos during non-wartime moments for soldiers. And I think if we don't understand that we're in a battle as believers, all the dysfunction and all the things that are part of our life because we're just not engaged in the battle is a reality. And Paul says, I, I want you to practice and walk it out in a different way. Number one, the first thing he says in Ephesians 4, 15 to 16, he says that we'd be attached to the head. Number one, stay connected to Jesus. As a church, I'm just going to promise you, we're going to stay connected to the head. We're going to stay connected to Jesus. We're not going to get off into fads. We're not going to get off into a bunch of other. We're going to stay connected to Jesus. The simple simplicity of our mission and vision is to, to make Jesus known so that lives are transformed. It's not about denomination. It's not about power. It's not about ranking. It's not about who does what and who's popular and who's not. It's, not, it's about Jesus. We preach for Jesus, we give for Jesus, we worship for Jesus, we lift our hands for Jesus, we counsel for Jesus, we get involved for Jesus, we do what we do, we do it all for Jesus. Paul says, get connected to Jesus. He says it and repeats it in Colossians 2.19. He says, and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together by the joints and ligaments, grows into the increase that's from God, that we are called to stay connected to Jesus. Well, we need discipleship. Jesus. We need counseling and healing. Jesus. It better be in Jesus' name. We need, you know, Jesus. Well, pastor, that's too simple. That's all, I'm simple. I need Jesus. I need the word of God. Stay connected to the head. It gets weird when you get disconnected from the head. I was on the beach years ago with my daughters and my sons. And I remember you probably know, you were maybe two, maybe three, I don't know. And I, there was these crabs that were running on the beach and the kids were trying to, catch them and they were trying to chase them back in the ocean. This was a big one. And, uh, they were all like oh, crap nature, you know? And, uh, I'm tossing these pieces of driftwood to try to get the crab back to the ocean. And this one piece goes too far and smashes the crab's head right in front of my two year old daughter. She's like, ah! <laughs> and I was in this crab's like, ah, 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 ah. it's like, it's just, what happened? It got disconnected from its head. 
It lost its head. People are screaming, crying, everybody. That's what, when we get, listen, when the church gets disconnected from the head, it's like weird. It gets weird. People are crying, leaving church, screaming. I hate God. I hate church. You know, it's just disconnected from the heart of Jesus. Whenever I've tried to do anything disconnected from his heart, it doesn't go well. We're going to keep it connected to Jesus. John 15 says, for you can do nothing without me. This morning I was begging God, I can't stay married without you. I can't raise kids without you. I can't be a good man without you. I can't lead a church. I can't do anything without you, God. I can't do it. I can't do anything without him. Number one, stay connected to the head. Number two, stay connected to each other. Ephesians 4 says that you're joined and knit together. The New Living Translation says he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. There's no perfect church, but there's a perfect fit. That God's fitting you here, that Jesus is fitting you into this body and to one another. Like You're not going to have the same proximity to everybody, maybe, but you're fitted to him. And then have a purpose in here. It's just like my pinky toe's not up here by my, by my head, but if I, if I, if I bash it, I'm going to sure feel it everywhere. Like ah, I still have the same concern for it. That he's fitting you and I together. Don't force the fit. Just figure out where God is trying to fit you in the house and in, in a ministry and in a calling. Don't force the fit. Jesus fits you together. And if this church, is, if you don't enjoy it, you're here because you probably enjoy it. But, but if you're not getting plugged in, you're like, I don't know if it's for me. Well, then there might be a different fit. But God will fit you into the right church. God will put you into a body where you're functioning and fitting. Years ago at Easter, I had a good friend of mine, Lisa Reed. She goes to church here. And, um, I wore my Easter outfit. Come on, that's a big deal for, for me, an Easter outfit. And, uh, I'm giving, uh, and I, I, went to, I went to Express in those, in those days, and I went and I picked out a, uh, a shirt and a tie and uh, wore it two services in a row. She came up to me after. She says, never put that on again in the rest of your life. <laughs> it was a red and pink striped shirt and a pink and gray paisley tie. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Stripes and paisleys right on top of each other. She was like, that is horrific. Don't ever do that again. It does not fit together. I was like, it was on the mannequin. She goes, I don't know who or what put that on the mannequin. <laughs> but don't ever wear that again. We, we need somebody to fit us together. There's some things that don't fit in our life. We need some people. And Jesus said, you know what? That girl doesn't fit in your life. It ain't good for you. That guy doesn't fit in, your, in, in, your, in who you're called. You know what? That, that, that thought doesn't fit. That attitude doesn't fit. That lifestyle doesn't fit for you. You're a child of God. We need some people to help. We need God to help us fit together in this thing. So number one, stick to the head. Number two, stick to each other. And as you do that, verse 13 says, till we all come, why? Till we all come to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God. Number one, we're going to have spiritual unity. We will have spiritual unity in this house. I'm not scared to tell you that I have a thought on a biblical sexual ethic. That I believe in, in a man and a woman. And I believe that God has covenant of marriage. I'm not scared to stand up and say that the Bible speaks to these things. I'm not scared to say, yes, everybody was born a certain way. Everybody was born a certain way. But we can be born again. I'm, I'm not scared to say that we were born in sin. That Listen, the French Reformation pushed the fact that all people are really good and environment just changes them. That is not true. That is not spiritual unity. And, if, and, and I'm just telling you what I believe because this might not be the place for you. You go, I don't believe all that. That's okay. We're going to have spiritual unity in this house. We have strength in this house. 
And the unity is that all, all, all men and women were born into, into sin, into wickedness, that you, couldn't, you, were, you, were, you were subject to the wrath of God. You were an enemy of God. You were away from God. You could do nothing about it. And the Holy Spirit got into your life, got into your heart, made you alive from the dead, and took those sins out of your life. And we all, we all can have a chance to be born again that way. There's no preferential treatment in God. People aren't just inherently good. The Bible says the heart is deceitfully wicked and no man knows it. We need, we're not on a self-actualization journey. This is not Buddhism. This is not Hinduism. This is not Beyonce church. It's not. All spirituality is not equal. We don't have coexist bumper stickers. We don't, no, we love all people, but we don't exist with those faiths like they're every other faith is all getting to the same place. That is not the truth. It's just not the Bible. Some of you are mad at me right now. It's okay. Read the Bible. It's the Bible. I was listening to a big famous pastor with an interview with Oprah the other day. And and she's like, are you telling me the only way to have a relationship with God is through Jesus? He says, well, you know, Jesus is like, you know, Jesus is a signpost. He wouldn't say it. The only way to have a relationship with a perfect father is through a son that died perfectly. The only way. Spiritual unity. Well, aren't there a lot of ways? There's one way. There's a lot of ways to Jesus. There's one way to God. Every one of us have a path that got us to Jesus. But there's one way to the father. Spiritual unity. Boot camp. Man, don't leave mad at me. Get mad at Jesus. Get mad at God. I'm not trying to offend you. I'm, I'm just telling, like Paul, Paul says it, till we come to the unity of the faith. Here's why I'm doing this. It's the first thing he said. Not unity of denomination, not unity of structure, not unity of opinion, the unity of our faith. That there's so much that we have to unify around and the world is trying to tear that apart. We are in need of a savior, that we're going to have unity. The second thing, verse 13 says, we come to a perfect man, a mature man to the measure of the fullness of Christ. Number two, we have spiritual maturity. This is a, this is a spiritual maturity moment for a lot of us, like that we would have spiritual maturity according to the measure of Jesus, that we would grow according to who he is, that we'd keep it simple. It's not complicated. My kids don't want to grow up because growing up a lot of times is complicated. I got a 20 year old in the basement. He's about to be 20. It's complicated to go out there. A lot of times we don't want to grow up in the faith because we think it's complicated. Can I tell you, it's complex, but not complicated. There was a small town and this guy was on a tour bus leading tourists in the town. And this young man got off the bus and went into a little small shop. Town was about a thousand people. And he went in and he said, sir, could you tell me, has anybody ever been born in this town? that was a great man or woman that changed the world. The guy was like, thought for me, he's like, no, there never has. He's like, you're telling me there's never been one great man or woman born at this house in this town. No. He's like, you're telling me not one time. No, he says, there's not ever been. He goes, but I will tell you, there's been a lot of babies born in this town that turned out to be great men and women. The point is, you have to grow. That we're not, 
that we're born and we grow, we mature, we grow up into Christ. You put that little ticker on the doorpost of your house to see your child grow every year. If they stop growing, you get concerned. You're like, what do I do? You go to the doctor, you keep them healthy, you give them food. It's not complicated. You just keep purities in them. You keep health in them. You keep food in them. It's not complicated to grow in Christ. I love your salvation story, but what's your sanctification story? How are you different from last week? How are you different from the last year? What's God done in you since yesterday? How are you walking it out with that attitude, that belief, that impurity, that addiction, that habit, that how, 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 how we're called to grow. If we don't, there's a problem. It's scary. If your child stopped growing, you'd be like, Oh God, you would take them and figure everything out. You and I have spiritual maturity, which leads me to verse 14 and 15. It says that we should no longer, we have maturity that we should no longer be children, nephios, babies, What happens to babies? Tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love. Come on, you can speak the truth in love. You can tell the world you crazy lovingly. If you actually, I would admonish you too. If you're going to deal with some of these issues, I get, I can do it with a little laughter in here, a little humor in here. And, 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 but I'm, I I still want to, I want to do it lovingly but we are in a boot camp series. <laughs> we should not be tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, but we should grow up into all things into Christ who is the head. Number three, you should have spiritual stability. Spiritual stability. You ever seen a baby walking? Like, that should, I don't know what baby walks like that, but... That shouldn't be, that shouldn't be you. If you've been in the kingdom, like maybe there's, you start from a place, yes, and you begin to grow and grow and grow and grow, get mentors and people and pastors and friends and connection, and you grow in the word of God and you begin to get stable on the apostles doctrine, on the word of God. You have strength in your life. You grow spiritual stability. It says, so you're not what tossed to and fro. You know the word tossed to and fro there. It's like the sea of Galilee that was agitated by a storm. It actually means mental agitation. Some of you are so mentally agitated because you don't know what you believe back and forth day and that day and night. After, well, I believe it today and I don't know if it's true and I'm not sure if Jesus is the only way and I'm not sure if I should, well, I shouldn't watch that probably, but the Holy Spirit said this, well, maybe I'll do that. I mean, I, there's no, can I just tell you like you toss to and fro, all spirituality is not equal. Like, like you're ingesting things like the music and the shows and the, I don't usually get into this kind of stuff. I was talking with my oldest son the other day. He watches some anime stuff and I looked at it, it's one of the things, it's demonic. He's like, Daddy, everybody's just, it's just anime. It's demonic. Like, I don't mean that all, maybe not all. I don't know every genre and every, but I was watching some horrific things on that thing. I could feel the spirit of that thing in my house. I was like, oh, I don't, it just doesn't even, I could feel it. Like, do you have sensory of spirit sensory in your life to go, you know what? That's not supposed to be part of me. And you wonder why you're agitated and depressed and your mind goes back and forth and back and forth and you need pills and you need stuff to satisfy because you, you, you're not stable. Some of the things would be healed in your mind just by deciding, you know what? I'm going to serve God. I'm going to be in his house. I'm going to believe the word. I'm going to do what God called me to do. I'm not going to ingest that stuff. I'll, be, I'm just, I'll confess. I don't usually do this kind of stuff. Uh, I don't usually talk about what you should and shouldn't. I'll let the Holy Spirit do that. But you know, some things need to be taught in this hour. It's just the word of God. The Bible says, don't even mention what the wicked do in private and dark. 
but we entertain ourselves with it. I was watching the show Yellowstone about a year ago. I <laughs> just got on some of y'all right there. This is boot camp. So this isn't like, if you're new to our church, this isn't every week, okay? But I, I was watching the whole, and I watched a couple seasons. I don't know what season we got into. My wife and I were watching both our, I was like, I can't. And I, as the leader, as the man of the house, a lot, you know, I, I, I went, it's not like, well, I'm the man of the house. I don't mean that. I was just like, she was kind of waiting to see. We're both watching it, but they, you know, I've got the spiritual leadership of the home. And usually men, whatever you let go will go. Whatever you let slide will slide. I don't, I don't mean that against women. I'm just saying they're waiting for, they're waiting for you to lead. They're wanting for you to, to speak up. They're wanting for you to pray. They're wanting for you to go, you know, my house is going to be different. My home's going to be different. And I, I just said, babe, the Bible says that this, I just convicted like Holy Spirit. I just, this is not godly. It's perverted. It's, it's, it's overly sexualized. It's violent. It's angry. This is not, this is not the spirit of Christ. And, and God dealt with me in that. I'm just saying this to you because you're tossed to and fro, but you're ingesting things that are causing mental agitation. And we've just bought in. Paul says, I want you to grow up and not be tossed to and fro. I still got a little time. Y'all with me still for a second? I got 49 seconds. Hold on, somebody. I feel y'all getting mentally agitated. <laughs> that we would grow up into all things into Christ, that we'd understand that he is good. The world has fallen. Life isn't going to be easy just because we accepted Christ and everything in my life and your life to this moment is for this moment that God can use all of it in the now. He goes on to say that we would put off the old man and put on the new man. Let me say this to you, that you and I have spiritual accountability it says that we're connected to one another and every joint and every part does its share. If you have a foot fall asleep, the whole body feels it. You ever tried to walk with a foot that was asleep? It's like your whole body. If one of you is asleep when you're calling and in the kingdom, this whole body feels it. If one of you is not connecting and stepping in, if this is your house, if this is your church, the whole body feels that part. There's a ministry here for you. There's a purpose here for you. The whole body feels it when it's not moving. And it says that we would actually put off the old man and put on the new man. Here's why some of you are so tired. Because you're running from your past, but you're not pursuing your purpose. Many of you thought of salvation as just run from my past. Paul says, no, no, no. Put off the old man. Put on the new man. You don't have to look over your shoulder. You don't have to allow the enemy to accuse you. You don't have to run from that any longer. You can actually begin to focus on pursuing your purpose with the new man that God's called you to be. Some of you are tired because you're running from the past without new purpose. I encourage you. Come on, we're going to take off the old man. We're going to walk it out. We're going to put on the new man. And we're going to actually be Christians in the earth in this last hour. Come on, it's going to be a strong church. We're going to be unified in the faith. We're going to be believers. We're going to be stable. And if we're, if we're not stable, then get a brother or sister around. Come on, this is no judgment. Get some family members around and go, we're going to be stable together. We're going to run this race together. We're going to walk this thing out together. Yeah. Father, thank you for the house of God. Thank you for boot camp. Thank you for a group of battle-proven warriors. 
Lord, those that are young in the faith, help others come around them to grow and mature. Those that are mature, help them turn back and encourage and increase the stability and maturity of the younger. God, we, we cast off the old man. We put on the new man. It's our responsibility to take off the old and put on the new. We take off the old and we put on the new and we walk out our purpose today. I pray for anybody tired in this room that's been running from their past but hasn't found their purpose. I thank you that they're home, Lord. They're in the house of God, that they would find purpose in the house. Just for another second, if you're in this room and you've not given your life to Jesus or you're watching online, you've never surrendered to him and what he did for you on that cross. The Bible says that you were dead in sin, but Jesus can make you alive. If you know that you have not given your life to him and you need to, you need a fresh start in God, today's your day. Maybe you've walked with him in the past. You made a decision, but you've walked away. Today's your day. He did all the work on the cross. He just wants you to respond to that, and he'll give you the power and the desire to serve and please him. If you're in this room, you say, you know what, Pastor, I need a fresh start. Put your hand up high to me right now. I need a fresh start with God. Come on, thank you for your boldness. Thank you for your honesty. I see that. I need a fresh start today. I'm not talking church. I see that. Come on. Thank you all for your courage. Anybody else? I need a fresh start. Thank you for your courage, young lady. Father, you see every hand in here. You know every heart. If you're watching online right now and you need to put on Jesus, you need a, a fresh start with God, all you got to do is say, Jesus, I need you as my Lord and Savior. I believe you did what you did. I'm going to pray a prayer. Just pray this prayer with me. Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Jesus, I put my hand up to you because I believe you're God. I believe you came to this planet and you lived perfect. You died on a tree. You took my sin, my shame, my guilt. I was separated from God, but you died for me. I turned from my old life, my wicked ways. I repent and I turn to you, Jesus. I believe you rose from the dead. I put off the old man. I put on the new man. I, I put on the new heart. Holy Spirit, fill me and give me the power to please God and to serve God the rest of my life in Jesus' matchless name. Come on, give God some praise in this place. Like you believe he changed his lives. Thank you for listening to another Transformation Church sermon podcast. If you would like someone to pray with you, or if you would like some ministry materials, please email us at hello at transformationchurch.us.